What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. So I don't normally have this camera angle where the light's reflecting off the computer and all that stuff, but uh, I got a dimey. He decided he was going to come up and hang out for a few minutes, so I figured we'll get him while we can. Right, dimey? Right. Anyway, let's read some malicious compliance. Don't believe I had the flu? Sure, I'll come in. So I was working at a certain brown package shipping company as a night shift supervisor in a loading area. The hub manager had a policy that if you called in, you would be told you had to come in to be assessed. I get it. Night shift starts at 9. People party, too drunk to come, want to stay with their girl, works the day, and are tired. I had been spilling my guts most of the day, so was weak, dehydrated, and kind of dizzy. Manager insisted I come in to see how I feel. So I drove to the building, practically stumbled up to the office, picked up his trash can and delivered stomach bile into a mess trash can that was missing a liner. Oh, man. I said, I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe. Never heard anything more about it. Okay. If you're sick enough that you're throwing up, I, I don't see how they can make you come in. Uh, I'm not sure how they could hold that against you. And they're not doctors, so how are they going to assess other than to have you throw up into their trash can without a liner? Ugh. My boss's pissed were enforcing the order given. So I live in Colombia and our country recently reduced the weekly work hours from 48 to 42. This is supposed to happen gradually, reducing one hour per year. This year, reduction was supposed to happen on July 15th. I work in healthcare and I have four 12-hour shifts per week, two days and two nights. I work in a psych clinic as a physician and there's only one per shift and we're here in case any of the patients happens to have a medical emergency and to admit any new patient referred from other institutions or that arrive through our urgent care. We, the physicians, thought that the most logical thing to do was to pay us that hour as OT and that would save the clinic having to juggle schedules or hire new staff. They decided that was too much money and told us we have to take that hour only on our night shifts and only during the 1am to 4am frame. We were understandably pissed, but then we realized we don't have to stay that hour. There's a 24-7 restaurant close to the clinic and we could go there and eat something. When one of the other doctors told our boss, she said that we weren't allowed to do that, but they don't have any legal backup. I told them that if they refused to let me out during unpaid time to please forward that order on a written document so I can take that to the labor office. She backtracked and told me she was only worried about us going out so late, but I'm pretty sure she just thought we would suck it up and stay here and have us perform unpaid work. Of course she did, because... People are awful. So many people think that they can just take advantage and that you're just going to, like you said, suck it up and deal with it. Uh, you're going to eat that time out of your personal time. They shouldn't have to compensate you for it. And uh, yeah, I'm glad to see that even down there, they're starting to come around to the fact that, you know, our time's worth something. I'm not saying the company shouldn't get what they're paying for, but at the same time, we need to be paid for what we're doing. So there's got to be some give and take there with, you know, labor, money, time, whatever. Wow, he decided he was going to stay. Nice. Laid off and replaced by two lazy, privileged waffles. I used to be in charge of the printer room in a rather large company. We shipped a crap ton of product every day, and everything shipped had to have the accompanying printed label and documents. Nothing can even be loaded onto the trucks without this paperwork. Now, this was in the olden days of the 90s, so we had seven massive four-foot-tall dot matrix printers that did all the work. These printers were temperamental bastards, and if the paper jammed, the printer didn't automatically stop printing. It would just keep pushing and jamming more and more paper into the machine until, if left unattended, it would break down. Running the printer room was a two-person job. When I started, I trained for two full weeks with the two current printer room employees. One was being promoted, I was replacing him. 
It was a rough effing two weeks, let me tell you. Getting the hang of the job, the various things you had to learn, do, etc. One thing that made it even more complicated was the fact that each printer had its own personality with its own problems. Another was the fact that a problem in one printer could have a different fix than the exact same problem in another. The job would be quiet for 45 minutes straight, during which we did routine maintenance and such, but was really slow and quiet and restful, because this company processed its shipping orders in batches once an hour, and then boy, on the hour, every hour, the batch of orders would go through and thousands and thousands of orders would come spitting out. Now, if you were on top of things and kept everything running smoothly, the orders would print out very neatly and quickly. But if you didn't know what you were doing, if you didn't maintain things just right, you'd get a backup and things would go to shit very, very fast. And when one machine went down, you had to fix it fast before the next one jammed. Because guaranteed, those machines would jam up multiple times on every batch print job. So I've been working the print room for several months and things were great. Then my coworker gave his two weeks notice. We tried to train my replacement, but he was incredibly lazy and got fired fairly a few days after the end of his training, which left me in the printer room alone. Then the bosses informed me that my position is being phased out and I'm going to be replaced by two employees transferred from a different department. So not only am I losing my job, but I have to train my replacements, and I desperately needed a good recommendation from this company, so I couldn't just quit or half-ass it. I quickly learned that both of these transfers are lazy and useless. They'd been with the company for decades, had friends in the head office, and knew their jobs were safe. I'd show them how to do something and they'd flat out laugh and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. Every day I'd be trying to train them and they would ignore me, chat with each other, leave to go sit in the cafeteria, leaving me to do a two-person job alone. Luckily, I was good enough to handle the workload, but it was annoying. Mindful of the fact that I needed a reference to this company, I kept extensive notes on each day's progress. I clearly documented every single instance of the replacements refusing to learn or even listen to my instructions. I also followed up daily with my direct supervisor and he knew what was going on. And my notes went into the company files and were passed up the line. Despite my scathing reports, head office did nothing. Now it's my last day. This is the day the training process assigned for letting the newbies work alone with no help or supervision allowed to see how well they handle the job and the pressure. I was in writing, forbidden to help them or answer any questions. As I expected, things fell to shit pretty much immediately. Minutes into the first batch of orders, one of the biggest printers jammed, and the clueless twats had no idea how to fix the printer jam, because they ignored me every time I tried to show them how. So they turn to me and demand that I fix things. I'm sitting on a desk, coffee in one hand and apple in the other, and I smile and say, yeah, I'm not doing that. So one of them is yelling at me while the other is basically thumping uselessly on a printer like a gorilla that just found a candy machine. Then a second printer jams. Paper starts spilling out of the back of the first printer, which if you knew the job was a really, really bad warning sign. Well, I'm going to go to the cafeteria. Good luck, I say as I stand up. As I'm leaving, I hear a third printer crunch and jam up. I went to my supervisor and let him know what was happening. He said he not only expected as much, he had predicted so repeatedly to his superiors. He once again specifically forbade me from offering any help. So I went to the cafeteria and read my book for a little over an hour. Then my supervisor comes to me to let me know what happened. The entire printer room is down. Every single printer either jammed up or actually is broken. The company is losing thousands of dollars every single minute. One of the shipping and receiving supervisors finds me all in a panic begging me to get the orders printed. Sorry, I'm not allowed to do that, I replied. Now several people are running around outside the cafeteria all in a panic, running from place to place to figure out why they don't have any shipping orders. The chaos took hours to resolve, and I wasn't allowed to fix the problems. Anytime someone started giving me a hard time, my supervisor would intervene and show the memo from the bosses stating that I was forbidden to help in the printer room that day. I spent my entire last day at work drinking coffee, chatting with coworkers, and reading my book. The whole fiasco ended up costing the company tens of thousands of dollars. 
Unfortunately, this happens more often than we think. It's usually not as drastic as these printers, but I was in a job once where I was a basically floating carpenter. You know, I would do carpentry on different job sites for different uh, superintendents. And I wasn't expected to like frame the whole job. I would come back in for like callbacks, mounting equipment towards the end of the job, things like that, you know, installing like the, the toilet stalls in the bathrooms, uh, the paper towel dispensers, whatever, things like that. Uh, handicap ADA grab bars. And, you know, it was a cool job because it was something a little bit different all day, every day. And uh, it kept me busy. The, the day just flew by. And then I guess they figured I cost them too much money. I was getting paid, I think, uh, right around 18 an hour at that point, which for that time period was a decent buck. But I was good at my job. I made sure things were straight, level, neat, cleaned up when I was done because, you know, that's part of the job. You don't just leave your trash and your debris all over the floor after you've drilled into the tile on the walls and things like that. And, uh, you know, things were done right and they were going to last, as, at least until the drunks came into the restaurants to tear things apart. But anyway, and uh, I guess they hired these two, seemed like fresh out of college kids. You know, we used to get college kids that would come in and help during the summers to help offset their expenses during the rest of their school year. That's what they did to make money. They come in and labor and whatever. Well, these two jack wagons were self-proclaimed carpenters. One of them had a tool belt that had to be older than me. Um, probably got it off his granddad's workbench or something like that because he didn't know anything about the tools he was using. The other guy, you could tell right off the bat how inept he was because he had everything brand new. And usually that's a bad sign. Like, you know, okay, you might have a new pouch, but your hammer shows signs of wear, your tape measure, your square, things like that. You can tell, okay, the guy's got some experience, but, you know, he had to replace his tool pouch. Well, I guess these two combined weren't going to make as much as I made in one hour. So they figured they'd, so the company figured they'd get double the production. Right. They ended up sticking me somewhere else. They didn't fire me, but they were replacing that position with those two guys. Same as this story. What ended up happening was they got about half the work done and cost almost exactly the same per hour so uh yeah needless to say they they went ahead and gave me my job back and i don't know what they did with these two guys but uh clowns clowns everywhere guess the cat got tired of sitting on the desk hmm. i'm very bad at this job i guess i work at an auto manufacturer and a previous job i held had me making hoods for two styles of cars that we'll call a and b I had worked at this spot at this point longer than anyone else on the team and was well aware of how to keep it running. We put parts in the machine, press a button, put more parts in another machine, press a button, repeat ad infinitum. A quirk of the robots is that they don't like to work on A and B at the same time, so if you swap you've got to run out all the process parts before you start new ones. Eight hoods fit on a rack so you finish a rack before swapping, obviously. The system doesn't deal with partials. The task of swapping was up to the person working, usually. Unless things got wonky, it was pretty easy to anticipate how often you would switch or could go check the line. Most management accepted this because the line's moving, they're happy. Introducing Wayne. Wayne got hired from the line as per diem, which is to say he gets a small pay raise and the anger of the rest of us union members for selling out. Wayne wants to make a name for himself, so he does little checkups on people working on hoods. He's lucky enough to catch me sitting around waiting for parts to run out, not once, but three times in about two weeks. This prompts him to puff himself up and tell me I need to keep moving so we don't run out of parts. I can't just sit around waiting. I shrug and say, eh, okay. So while he watches, I start putting A parts in while B parts are still cycling through. Immediate faults. I sit down and wait for skilled trades to come fix it. A few minutes later, I'm moving. I put more parts in, faults again. Skilled trades comes back. By now, the B parts have finished going through and skilled trades asks why I'm not waiting. I shrug again and gesture to Wayne. Wayne. 
Did you know it was going to fall? Me, shrugging. Well, just doing what you told me. Part 2. Wayne is still my manager and hasn't learned much. He decides that since we ran out of A-hoods once, he needs to be more involved in telling people when to swap between A and B. Note, this happened because we had a new team member who hadn't quite gotten the hang of it. They caused less than a minute of downtime because they swapped too late. People frequently tried to do mass builds of A, then B, rather than swap more frequently. So Wayne tells us that we don't switch unless he or the team leader says so. You got it, boss. So I happily build A parts. It must have been a busy day because I don't see my team leader or Wayne for hours. One of the drivers comes back to ask me if I'm going to build B parts and I explain what I've been told. She tells me, well, I'm running out of racks, but whatever. She's been there a while and seen it all and is down to let it ride. Finally, Wayne comes back in a rush to tell me to switch to B hoods. Sure thing, boss. Unfortunately, Wayne is just a little too late. By now, the line has zero B hoods and zero empty racks. The robots are chock full of A hoods as well. No racks can be empty because the line can't move unless they want to shove them in a repair hole and attach hoods later. And I can't get my B hoods out because my robots are full. The line stops for a full 20 minutes and we're told to use our best judgment in the future. <laughs> I just shrug and go back to work as usual. There's way too many Waynes in this world. So, okay, he wants to make a name for himself. I don't really care much about the union slash non-union thing. You know, the higher-ups are always going to be non-union and the, the slobs on the floor like me and you are going to be union. Uh, I've worked in more non-union shops than union shops, but still, I get it. The bottom line is, union or not, people need to stop putting morons in charge of important infrastructure in companies because it never ends well and it's just going to end up costing a company thousands or millions even. And then nobody listens to the slobs on the floor like us. So what do we know? We've only been doing the same job over and over and over, right? A server's responsibility. Years ago in high school, I worked at a local pizza pasta sub place. We had this worker, Connor. Aside from being just a douche of a person, Connor was a shit worker. On Fridays and Saturday nights, we typically had four servers, two takeout bartenders, a host and two delivery people plus cooks. When servers got busy, it was up to the cashiers to keep the salad bar in the back stocked. Connor would refuse when asked to stock, saying it was the server's responsibility, even though we were too busy to stop moving at the time. When Connor plays host, he refused to let people know if they had tables, even the tables were outside our normal zone. Now this was a fairly small restaurant, but sometimes we were too busy running around to notice. He says it was the server's responsibility to pay attention. While I agree to some extent, a little help out couldn't hurt. One Saturday night, I made close to $100 in tips. This was one night where Connor was host and refused to help. Servers were supposed to tip out at minimum 1%. So the next day when I saw him, I gave him a $1 bill. His response was a dry, wow, a whole dollar, thanks. I said, no problem, you earned it. He got fired shortly after, so I didn't get to see if his behavior improved, but I doubt it. I heard he tried to join the army. Doubt that worked out well for him either. It's funny, when other people my age are older, and no, I'm not a boomer, but anyway, that's another story. This is not a new thing. When you hear older people talk about, you know, people being lazy, this and that, not wanting to learn, not wanting to help out, be part of the team. Uh, this has been going on for years and years and years. And there's always going to be at least one person who thinks they're special or they're the supervisor or manager's pet or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing to get where they are or stay where they are, but... I don't know. He left the desk. Now he's crying at the door. But it still just amazes me, even though it's nothing new, that people can act like this and they have absolutely no idea what they're doing wrong. I used to think that maybe they were just being bullheaded and just they knew what they were doing wrong, but they were just kind of being slick about it, you know. No, I honestly think people really just don't know. They have no idea why they're 
why they're wrong, why they're upsetting the apple cart. Eh, good for you. You gave him his 1% and uh, F Connor. All right, guys, that's it for today. Till the next one, we'll see you.